What makes a pig-nosed turtle's flippers so special? What's the most dangerous creature you'll encounter on a research trip to the Amazon jungle? And what's the optimum age for freaking out your kids with wildlife cosplay? I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. And this week, we've got Carla Eisenberg answering all these questions and more as she gives us a tour of what it's like to be an ecology researcher and teacher. I'm here today to talk a little bit about the two areas that I research. I research wildlife conservation and management and also science outreach. But honestly, it's just an excuse to study turtles. I love turtles. Who doesn't love turtles? You might love turtles because they are cute. You might love turtles because they're tasty. And that's okay. And that's one of my areas of research. I will research turtle harvest. And turtle harvest is very important for indigenous communities, not only in Australia, but around the world. It's important culturally, but it's also important because one of the things we found out is turtle meat is full of iron. And iron is what you need to fight anemia. You might hear that sometimes it, you have blood iron in your blood, and then your doctor say, oh, you need to go and take some iron or eat some steak. Steak is really good. But just imagine a little bit of freshwater turtle meat. Now, I'm talking a little bit like just a tiny bit of their leg. is the equivalent of you eating two kilos of cow meat in iron. So for people living in remote communities, this is a very important way of fighting anemia. And there is a high level of anemia in pregnant women and young children. So um, turtles are really, really important in these places. And I also want to make a distinction here. I'm a freshwater turtle biologist. Yes, there is some rivalry there with the sea turtle people, but we love each other. An important thing to say is that freshwater turtles are small. They actually have a very short life cycle and they reproduce fairly quickly. So in a few years, they're already reproducing. So it means that it's more sustainable to harvest them. They replace themselves fairly quick in the environment. So if we don't have external factors, if we don't have other things affecting them like pig predation, traditional human harvest, it's usually sustainable. But in the end of the day, turtles are so cool to study. And I'm just going to give a, a, an example here of one of the species, a species I did my PhD with, which is the pig-nosed turtle. And the pig-nosed turtle has a very interesting anatomy. Yes, it does have a nose that looks like a pig nose, obviously, but I'm not here to talk about it. It has, so when you think about the turtle flippers, think about a sea turtle. The sea turtles had their digits, their fingers, all merged together. So they can swim in the sea in a very similar way that birds can fly in the sky. If you see a turtle, sea turtle flipper, it actually reminds, the bones reminds you of a bird. When the pig-nosed turtle, it's a freshwater turtle, but does have to migrate to move fairly long distances, and we're talking sometimes about 20, 30 kilometers, and then that means that they do need to be prepared to move a fair bit. But they don't have the fused fingers like a sea turtle. They actually have elongated fingers, very similar to bats 
So I would like to say that the big nose turtles are the bats of the turtle world. They're really cool. But not just that, as many other turtles, they have temperature sex determination. It means that the temperature of the nests will tell you if the turtle is going to be a male or a female. If the female turtle lays the eggs in a cold sandbank, all the eggs will be males. If a turtle lays the eggs in a hot sandbank, it's going to be all females. How do you remember that? Someone came up with a very clever sentence, just remember, hot chicks, cool dudes. <laughs> you probably noticed by now, I do have an accent. It's hard to hide. And yeah, you're probably guessing where I come from. And I, I, yeah, I have to admit, I come from Canberra. <laughs> uh, sorry, I come from Brazil. And one of the things I most love is taking Australian students to the Amazon, the Brazilian Amazon. And then when I said, oh, let's take Australian students to the Amazon, people were like, are you crazy? It's a very dangerous place. And I was like, nonsense. Piranhas, they're just toothy fish. Caimans, they're just big geckos. You can swim with them. But there is one animal, one animal that I really fear. And it's going to be waiting for us every time we get to the research station. And I know it's going to be a danger to my students. And that is Lulu the Poodle. Lulu is a menace, right? He just stayed there staring, looking cute as my students get out of the boat. And they can't touch Lulu because in Amazon we do have rabies. Well, good news nowadays is that there is a chance you have rabies. You can just go to the hospital and they will treat you and you're going to be okay. But that means that a student that has gone all the way to Amazon will have to stop everything and go back to the city. So horse bites you, back to the city. Dog bites you, back to the city. A vampire bat bites you, definitely back to the city. <laughs> there it is, poodle looking cute and normal students because you Australians, you cannot stop yourselves from petting a puppy. This is just impossible. I can't get that. So as I am there and this student is going, Puppy! And I'm like, don't touch that puppy! And these children in tears in their eyes, but it's a puppy. And I'm like, do not touch that puppy. I'm pretty sure the moment I turn my back, they touch Lulu. Oh, that evil puppy. But I think they all survived. Nobody got rabies. I can see a couple of my students in the audience. So they had the chance to experienced some of the coolest research that people have been doing in Amazon with turtles. A researcher found that ten, around 10 years ago that turtles can communicate with each other. So there is this giant Amazon river turtle, and you can just imagine the female turtle comes up on the sandbank and lay her eggs. And actually she comes back to the water and stays there and waits for 40 days until the hatchling pops out. And once the hatchling pops out, the hatchling comes and says, and the female turtle goes, more disclaimer, this is not the sound they make. <laughs> I'm using my artistic um, influence here. You really need some really serious equipment to hear them. You need the proper microphone uh, that can hear low frequency. But let's just imagine the baby turtles going, beep, 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 the mother turtle saying, oh, oh. they come, they go to the water, and they migrate together to the feed grounds as a giant crash. Isn't this the cutest thing you heard today? <laughs> and because turtles are so cute, 
they are so easy with science communication. I love talking about turtles and showing turtles in, in schools, in community events, because it's really a good way of talking about wildlife conservation and management. And one thing I always dreamed about was to dress as a giant turtle. I had this dream. Because I'm Brazilian, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to one of these carnival ladies that make costumes in carnival. I'm going to ask her to create a costume for me, and I did that. I gave her a photo of a northern long-necked turtle, probably not a very good photo, it turns out. And she said, yeah, yeah I'm, all, I'm over it, give me this and that. I gave her everything. I was so looking forward to see that costume and start using it. It looks like a giant cucumber with a shell. A terrifying giant cucumber with a shell. I have seen adult people crossing the road just to not be next to it. But then, at the end of the day, I wasn't doing that for adults. I was doing that for children. So I needed to know if that was going to work for children. And I did what scientists do in the last millennium. I tested with my own children. So what I concluded with my experiment, one and two-year-olds, terrified. They, they cry when the turtle leaves the room, and they keep crying after the turtle leaves the room. It's just tragic. But then my son was three years old, and I dressed as a giant turtle, and I came to his daycare. And he was uncertain. He was just looking at me, going, maybe, maybe that's not too scary. And then he, was, he just couldn't quite make up his mind, and I made the biggest mistake of my life. I said, don't worry, honey, everything is okay. He started crying. There was no tomorrow. A turtle has eaten his mum. <laughs> I can tell you it does not help removing the costume in front of your child after that. That just made him even more scared. Well, the good news is children are very resilient. It looks like he forgot about it because when he was four years old, he just absolutely loved it. Him and his friends just could not get enough of that hideous turtle. <laughs> They want to hug the long-necked turtle, they want to high-five the long-necked turtle, they want to hold their long-necked hands and take them back to the billabong. And then by the age he was five, he was actually um, telling all his friends, he was very proud, and he would tell all his friends, my mom is a turtle. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everybody. Have a great night. Dr. Carla Eisenberg is Science Outreach Manager and Researcher in STEM Pathways at Charles Darwin University. She was speaking there at our Occam's Razor live event at Darwin Railway Club on Larrakia land in July. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be back with answers to more of science's big questions next week. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.